This episode of Bullish Rich Breakaway is brought to you by literally no sponsors. None. No sponsors. The dog days of summer, we survive in the desert and with our Patreon supporters. Really appreciate all everyone that's donated to our cause here, uh, making a better podcast, launching a website in the next three weeks. Shout outs to uh, Dean, who's been helping us do that. Uh, we will be launching that. Maybe I'll pimp his stuff next week on his web design. Who knows? Uh, but for right now, uh, thank you, Patreon supporters. Our Discord channel is always happening. Good time. We have bonus content for everyone that supports us, such like that, and stickers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's get to the podcast. Got a good one today. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Now, why do I get the co on it? That's a great question. Why are you the host and I'm the co-host? All right, let's redo it. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome to the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your co-host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say See, hello. now we're even. Now we're 50-50. We've had this conversation many times. I am all about equality. And we've had the conversation where you say on this podcast, it's more your podcast. So I appreciate you saying oh, that. Oh, 100 times. And <laughs> I, think there was, I think there was one time where I got mad at you and I said, dude, it's your podcast. Yeah, you were this pissed. Was, this was off air in a text. It's the angriest you've ever been at me in my entire life. I was, I've was. i never been angry at you. I, I. It was right after we lost, too. I was so there, I was I was depressed. I was tired, and you're like, "Dude, let's do a podcast." So I was like, "I don't wanna." I was so I'm, I'm going to bed. I was like, and, then, and then you said, "Well, how about I have someone else?" I'm like, "Do whatever you want. It's your podcast." And you flipped out. I flipped out. Like, fuck you. It's our podcast. <laughs> we do it together. <laughs> we're in this together, man. Like we have, we're both in the rain. Yeah, it was really sad. In hindsight, it's the sweetest thing anyone's ever been mad at me about. Thank um, you. Thank but. You. I yeah, I was in a dark place that night. That's okay. We all were. I sat in my room alone. I, for everyone referencing, it's when we got kicked out of the playoffs, and uh, I sat in my dark room alone. So that was it. All right, welcome to the Bushwick Breakaway. Today we have literally no Rangers news. Boop boop boop. That's it. Uh, Jean Rattel is going to be put in the rafters. We knew that. Uh, the, we, yep. it, the date is set, and Alex Kerfoot uh, signed with the Colorado Avalanche because he's he's big into the four twenty reefer. Uh, yeah, it has to be something. Has to be because I honestly don't know what it is. I I listen. I I saw the Avalanche play some hockey last year. Happened to watch some highlights. Happened to play against them, and uh, they're awful. So I I I mean, it guarantees him playing time, right? Yeah, but that's the thing. He would have had almost guaranteed playing time with the Rangers. And, Our center depth and, is and, not great, Bob. And that's the other thing. The center depth on the abs is pretty good. Better than us. It's, yeah, it's better than us. It's pretty good. I uh, I, I I honestly don't know, but. If, let's look at it realistically. I wanted Kerfoot, but it wasn't like a do everything necessary to get Alex Kerfoot. It was more of a, I realized this guy could be a bottom six center. He's young. It would be a cheap contract. The Rangers need depth. I would very much like this guy on my roster. It So am I disappointed he didn't sign with the Rangers? Yeah, but does it significantly hinder the Rangers' ability to be a talented and hockey team and make a deep playoff run this year? No, because honestly, push comes to shove, I think Leas Anderson will be better this season than Alex Kerfoot. That's really not a hot take. I don't no. think that's a hot take at all. Some, some guys came at us on Twitter saying we were all about Kerfoot, and now Cap- we're going back on our word. Greg, if you go back and – if wow, say it. Listen, we've, wow. made, we've made it. Do you know how I know we've made it? Because people are calling us out on shit? So many people are coming at us now. 
Like I got, I got called a shithead for my Game of Thrones days, dude. I'm recording a game, a game of Thrones podcast for fun for everyone else to listen to. Want to hear my thoughts? You don't have to listen. It's fine. Some guy came right at me. It was like, "Yeah, you're the worst." I was like, "Okay, great. I, I made it. I made it. This is amazing." <laughs> I'm just saying, if you go back and listen to our Kerfoot stuff, or if hey, if you become a Patreon subscriber hey. and read our Kerfoot stuff, I think we've been very consistent the entire way saying. It would help to have Alex Kerfoot, but it doesn't necessarily cripple the Rangers. And I think that that take still rings true. The Rangers aren't crippled. It just means, I, look, it was a 60% chance Leah Anderson was going to make the Ranger team out of camp. If the Rangers signed Kerfoot, I'd say it's now back to about 85-90%. Yeah, I'm, he's definitely making the team. I don't, I, don't, I don't see a scenario in which he doesn't. It, it just The Rangers don't have the depth not to bring him aboard. And I, I, do want it, I did want him to develop, you know, one more year over in uh in it's sweden 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 yeah. uh and Fro- yeah. at frolunda right yeah uh yeah. Yeah, nailed it uh also, but we made we made, a, we made an error on last week's podcast i didn't realize sweden was also neutral during world war ii i think i agree with you due to peer pressure <laughs> no, no, no 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 i said they weren't neutral but we we again people this is how i know we made it someone corrected us oh okay wonderful yeah, Sweden. Sweden, like Switzerland, was neutral during World War II. Hmm. Okay. Very good. Uh, that World War II podcast has to happen. I think uh, I'm going to Europe. A public service announcement. I'm going to Europe on uh, September 14th, and I'm coming. I'm going to miss one week of podcast. We're going to have to figure out what we're doing for that week. We might record early, and then... uh, or I'll just do something on uh, on our Discord. Mm, no, I want to put an episode out for everyone. We'll talk about this later. Fine. Fine. Uh, fine. 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 Uh, but. Uh, I, I, once I get back from Europe and I've kind of seen the lance, we should do our World War II podcast. Just sure. Saying. I mean, you're not invading. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, don't I'm not. Be, I don't think you're going to be more I'm, qualified. I'm going to Germany to drink at Oktoberfest. It's like I'm not yeah. doing anything World War II related going, at all. You're not going to Europe to study about World War II and come back to report your findings. I'm just getting in the spirit of war. I go to the land where it happened. Uh, you know, Korea fired missiles at Japan today. I'm just getting the spirit. That's all. I don't think they fired missiles at Japan. I think Japan was preparing for them. As a guy that worked in news, I feel like I would have heard about that. I think it happened right uh, right before we started podcasting. But then the missile fell apart into three parts and nothing happened. So that's that. Uh, but yeah, it's a bunch of smoke. Smoke and fire. It definitely will be. On today's yeah. podcast, that being said, yeah. we have our continued Metro Series preview. And we bring on two different writers. We're covering the uh, Brian LeBlanc, who's from CanesCountry.com. And he's who the- has fantastic real estate news. Yes. A mind-blowing story uh, featuring Dan Girardi. And then uh, we have somebody named, and I'm not mispronouncing this, Pale Dragon. From the, that uh, is his name. For, he said his name is Pale Dragon, and we believed him. Uh, the Jackets Cannon, he covers the Blue Jackets, and he comes on to talk about the, that, those teams. So a little bit of information about the Metro, which is, you know, stacked. And we'd like to get as much information as possible from other teams uh, before the season starts so we kind of know what our competition is leading up to that. Other than that, uh, a little bit of nonsense at the end, and we'll wrap a bow on it. That's all. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, we go right to, you want to go to the right to the interviews right now? Yes, please. Okay, let's let's go right over to to the to the the mind blowing real estate Dan Girardi story uh, with Brian LeBlanc right now. Honk 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 honk. Transition. <laughs> and we're back with the managing editor of CanesCountry.com, Brian LeBlanc. Did I did I nail that pronunciation? 
You did. Well done. Wow, that's really a rarity for me. Uh, Brian. That is, that's really impressive. I th- have to give you credit. Thank you, because usually— You're starting this well. You know, to be honest with you, Brian, you're new here. Uh, I never pronounce anything right. David DeHarnay ah. signed it with our team this year, and uh, the, I think I fucked that up for like maybe 11 minutes. So that was pretty good. So we're off to a David hot start. David DeCharnay's with them. Yeah. Right. There yeah. Were- I mean, there was once upon a time where we thought his name was Brady Skagey. Yeah, Skagey. We, I think we, we called him Skagey on, a, on an entire podcast once. I'd really like to see how you botch Rick Nash. I can't botch that one. Oh, we, um, <laughs> Ryan, Don't say Ryan that. Changes, Ryan changes the first letter. Sometimes it's Mash. Rick Mash. Uh-huh. Rick Mash. Rick Mash. But all right, so we brought you on. song, wasn't it? Yeah, Rick Mash, of course. <laughs> it was a, it was a right. dance in the, in the 90s. Right. Uh, we brought you on to talk a little bit of Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, a, all right. A, a fearsome rival. Of the New York yes. Rangers. Yes, blood blood rivalry. Yes. Par uh, excellence, yes. You know, you did uh, win a trade against us a couple years back, so that was pretty nice. Hopefully uh, you were enjoying those second rounders. And, uh, and I hope you enjoyed the three months of Eric Stahl. I will, I'll enjoy let you know. Is not the, enjoy is not the word I would use. <laughs> no, to, to this day, I don't blame Eric Stahl. I still blame AV for just mismanaging him. Yeah. Well, he went to Minnesota well, and had a great year. He was mismanaged here for a long time, so we can we can sympathize with you. Believe me. But you got a oh. cup, so oh, yeah. And I mean, then, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah. I, I haven't and seen one they, of those. And, and then they were like, "Look at how uh, look at how good he was. Let's not surround him with anyone. And put him on a line with like Chad Larose." Yeah, that's not. And good. yeah, yeah. So, all right. Let's, believe me, I feel your pain. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your off season. You guys were feisty. What do you think was the biggest move you guys made this offseason? Well, I think the biggest move that they made was probably keeping uh, Jacob Slavin in the pen, um, signing him to a long contract extension. And guys, I don't know if you've ever seen Jacob Slavin play hockey, but he is quite good at it and uh, deserves every plaudit that he got on signing that contract because he's really something special. Um, nobody gives him any credit. In fact, the NHL network came out with that top 20 defenseman a couple of days ago. He's nowhere to be found, which, you know, is fine, you know, whatever. Um, but in kind of the same way that guys like Seabrook and, um, Panarin get, get, I think a little bit overrated because they played on good teams. Slavin totally flies under the radar and he's the biggest part, I think, of why the Hurricanes defense is as good as it is. And he's still only 23 years old. He's really something else. And I think that making sure that there wasn't a long contract negotiation with him, uh, with Brett Pesci, who they also signed this offseason, really made a big difference. So I think that the biggest move that they made really was just keeping the players that they had. It wasn't so much that they were you know, going out on the market, although they did sign Justin Williams, they signed him to be a complimentary piece. But it's guys like Slavin and Pesci and Jeff Skinner and – um, Sebastian Ajo, guys like that are going to be the foundational players, and they've got them locked up right now to really team-friendly contracts, which only is going to help them down the road. Brian, a lot of Ranger fans are very excited, and for good reason, about the defensive upgrades the Rangers made this year. In fact, I don't think it's an unpopular opinion for a specific portion of our fan base to say that they think the Rangers have the best defense in the Eastern Conference. But I think very quietly, it, it actually might be the, uh, the Hurricanes, is it not? Yeah, I, I think that the Hurricanes fly under the radar a lot because of A, where they are, and B, the fact that they haven't made the playoffs in eight years. And, you know, people just don't pay a whole lot of attention. Even when, even when their team is playing the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes don't get any attention. And, you know, that kind of suits this team fine, I think. It's 
a team that very much is in the image of its general manager. I mean, Ron Francis was probably the most un, unassuming superstar in NHL history. I mean, I, you know, hockey fans are probably going to be able to say, you know, that Ron Francis is one of the best players to ever play the game, but it no time when he was playing did you really think that you were watching, you know, one of the all-time greats. And that's kind of what the Hurricanes do. I mean, they just go out and take care of business and do their thing and, you know, don't don't really command a whole lot of attention. And I'm with you. I mean, I think the Rangers' defense is pretty good. Um, obviously, the Hurricanes' defense is right up there. And um, the only one that I think in the East might compare to those is Tampa Bay. And aside from that, you know, and the fact that, the lightning sign uh, Girardi may have some some influence on that opinion. You literally oh, yeah, let's, talk, that let's talk about that two-year anchor they just signed. Yeah. A literal anchor. <laughs> but but talk yeah, about uh, the specific guys that make no, up the top let's, four let's, for the Hurricanes. Hey, let's, let's talk about let's talk about the fact that they signed uh, Girardi to a two-year to a three million dollar contract, and then Steve Eiserman turned around and sold him his house for three million dollars. I mean, if that isn't the best racket in the history of the world, I don't know what is. Is I didn't it, even know that story. Is that story. real? Yes. <laughs> that is absolutely for real. We actually posted that in our uh, link roundup last week. It was uh, it came out last week that um that that uh, Girardi and I always want to call him Joe Girardi even though I know that's not who it is. May as well be. Um he bought Steve Eiserman's house for $3 million, which happens to be the exact amount of salary that Eiserman signed him for per year. That is fucking incredible is that, not, <laughs> is that not the best story you've ever heard i am sitting here dumbfounded because i feel like i feel like an investigation needs to be involved in that like i don't i, I don't know like maybe that hey, whoever the federal department to investigate that specific thing they need to invest, <laughs> that that's like the definition it's not insider training but it's the it's like a housing market equivalent it's like i'm gonna give you three million dollars now here's what you're gonna do with that three million dollars you're gonna buy my house. <laughs> you're gonna turn around and buy my house yeah exactly so really it was a it was, it was if you think of it this way if you think of it as a, a two-year contract worth three million dollars plus a house it doesn't sound so bad now does it no i mean if you're moving anyway <laughs> i mean exactly <laughs> plus you're moving plus you're moving to florida yeah yeah i'll oh, take it this is Greg, I don't wow. know how we didn't know this. Like, what is the Twitter sphere like sleeping on us? What's up with that? I, I don't know. Well, it's, I, it's, I don't it's know. August in the NHL. I mean, yeah. that's how you. That's probably how you missed it. Yeah, we know. I think. I think. I think Ranger fans are just so happy to not have to think about Dan Girardi that no one really looked into it very much. This is a mind blowing hey, story. Yeah. I, I'm so happy you came on now and told me because now I'm sitting here like this is like. That's a real shady deal, but kind of nice. <laughs> but kind of <laughs> nice for Dan. I don't even think it's a shady deal. I just kind of think of it as like Steve Eisman running a hustle, and and good for him, you know. But who, why not? So who in this who in this situation do we think is getting the better end of the deal? Is it Steve Eisman who got three million dollars for his house, or is it Dan Girardi who has two years of protection with a team is getting three million dollars in a tax free state? Oh, and also has a pretty new swanky house. I think like, I, I, I wish I was Dan Girardi right now. I'll be honest. Getting, he gets two paychecks and a house. Yeah, seriously. And that's, a house. That's awesome. <laughs> except, he's, except he has to sign over a year's worth of those paychecks to his boss. So, you know. Well, he's still getting paid by us. I don't know. It's not like he's. <laughs> yeah, true. If oh, you're Dan Girardi, right. yeah, if, if you're Dan Girardi, do you give him? him yeah, oh right. yeah, no, we're still paying him for another like five years. Well, congratulations, <laughs> the New York Rangers just bought Steve Eiserman's house. Well done. <laughs> if if you're Girardi, do you give him money on the first year of your deal or the second year of your deal? Ooh, for, that's for, a good question. Maybe you wait. No, you wait. You wait for the second year because you see if there's a buyout coming, and then if there, if you know, two oh. teams are paying you not to play. 
Plus, you have to turn around and pay off the mortgage. And then you sign with the Coyotes, which are just Rangers West. And then you West. sign with the Coyotes where you just, you know, you, you know, you've got a guaranteed deal until you're like 50 years old and working for the NHL office. You're, you're set. We just, right? This was like supposed to be about Carolina, but we just unearthed Dan Girardi's master plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't be more happy about it. So I, I, I thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> well, it's been great, guys. I hope you have a great night. <laughs> but I do, I do want to talk about the Hurricanes top four, though, because I, I, think the, I, I think the NHL marks are very much excited. And uh, if they're not a Hurricane fan, even worried about how good that top four is going to be. Yeah. But I think and some it, of the casual fans are not on the up and up with just how good this Hurricanes defense is. Yeah, and, and, and what's great about it is they've got that top four locked up with the exception of Noah Hannafin, who's presumably going to sign what I would imagine will be a bridge deal. You're probably looking at a you know, two- or three-year deal for you know, two and a half, three million bucks a year, something along those lines. They've got it signed up. I mean, Slavin signed until 2024. Pesci signed up until at least 2022, and it might be 23. And Justin Falk has signed up until 21. So you've got three of those top four that are, you know, that are they're signed up all together and, and are going to be you know, part of this team for a really, really long time. Um, you know, there, there was some rumblings about whether or not Hannafin was available in a deal for, uh, for Matt Duchesne. Um, th- what I've heard is that the name was brought up, but it never really went anywhere because Ron Francis doesn't want to give him up for a guy who's two years away from being an unrestricted free agent, which you can kind of understand. So, I mean, what you're looking at is presumably barring some sort of blockbuster deal is what the Hurricanes are going to have for the next few years. And, I mean, if they keep progressing at the rate, especially Slavin and Pesci, the way that they have the last couple of years, they could be, you know, one of the steals of the league here in two or three years. For what they're making and how well they play, it really it really is a bright future for them. You bring up trade talks, and it might have just been smoke coming from Ranger writers. I don't know how much of it was actually true. I, I have doubts that a lot of it was, but... Uh, when the Rangers were shopping Derek Stepan, a very popular name to come up in talks or players that Ranger fans wanted from other teams was Justin Falk. Obviously, mm-hmm. you are on the other side of that conversation. How comfortable would you have been giving up a player like Falk for Derek Stepan? You know, I, I'm i not 100% sure that that would have been a deal that Ron Francis would have been comfortable making. Um, I think that Stepan's a deal that he probably would have taken if the right deal were there. I mean, there's no question he was looking for a center, whether that was Duchesne or Stepan or whoever. Um, he was trying to get one, but the problem was that the prices were so high and he just refused to budge on any of his uh, young players that, you know, it was it, it basically was ruled was ruled out from the very start. Um, I wouldn't be shocked <sighs> Put it this way, I don't think it's likely that any of the four, the top four defensemen for the Hurricanes get traded. If one of them is, I think that Falk is probably the most likely to go, given that he's a little bit older, he's still signed to a really team-friendly contract, and you know, Slavin and Pesci, frankly, have kind of usurped him on the depth chart, where they're the top pairing now. Um, and it becomes, you know, do you want to pay a second-pairing defenseman four and a half million a year? Still not that bad. Um, and like I said, I don't think that I, I, I don't want to come out and say they're not going to trade Justin Falk. And if they were to trade him, it would be a deal like that that they would move him in. But I 
really think it's unlikely at this point. But if one of those players were to move, I think he's probably the most likely one. But I wouldn't put it at more than maybe a 20% chance of that happening. And I think, so now that you guys have your defensive core pretty much, like you said, situated for the next handful, very long-term future, goalie has been the Hurricanes problem almost since the Stanley Cup. As soon as Cam yeah, tell Ward, me about it. Cam Ward fell off a cliff. You guys, do you, what do you? How do you feel about Darling? Is Darling the guy? Are you feeling? You got to feel better about it, right? Yeah, you feel you feel better about it. But then again, we've seen a lot of Anton Hudobins and Dan Ellis's and Eddie Lacks come through here, and you've just been burned so many times that there's there's definitely an undercurrent of here we go again. Um, Darling was a really popular pickup. Um, he was the guy that a lot of Hurricanes fans had targeted um, to take over as the starter. There was a significant um, uproar about Cam Ward resigning with the team for two years last off, not this past offseason, but the one before 2016. Um, in the end, I think it turned out to be the right move for the Hurricanes, not just because of who he is, but you know, at this point in his career, he's fine being a backup. The problem is when you try to play him 60 times a year because nobody else is capable of doing it. And, you know, they're taking a pretty decent-sized risk in Scott Darling, a guy that's never started a full season. But the uh, the track record is there. And I think that the Hurricanes know that they're taking a risk, but I think that they took the most calculated risk that they could given the circumstances. So, you know, you're not going to feel great about it. And there's definitely a lot of lingering unknowns that aren't going to be answered even for the first couple of months of the season. Um, One question about that is how much does Bill Peters rotate the goalies? He's, you know, he's relied on Cam Ward in his years here for, you know, 55, 60 games a year. Is he willing to change that with with Scott Darling? Does he overwork Darling is another question. Could he give Darling 65 games and wear him out? So there's a lot of balls up in the air, so to speak. But given the circumstances and given who was available on the market, um, picking up Darling, I think, was probably the best move that the Hurricanes could have made. And then they got him assigned to a really nice team-friendly contract. It's still paying him a lot of money. Um, But for a number one goal, making less than five million, I think is a pretty solid deal. Now we just need to see if he can live up to that deal. And I think that the chances are probably better than not that he does. Was there an attainable goalie this offseason that you would have rather had? I'm, I'm not saying like pie in the sky goalie. Sure. Yeah, like yeah. A, a Mark Andre Fleury, yeah. maybe. Yeah, Price. You know, Flurry was, was an interesting one because Flurry was thrown around quite a bit. Um, that, you know, there was just kind of this assumption that because of the, the expansion draft, that Flurry was going to be the guy that they targeted. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Jim Rutherford used to be the GM there here, and now he's the GM in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't really think that Flurry was ever going to be the answer. I mean, he's a couple of years older than Ward to begin with. So you're not really, you're not really gaining anything in terms of age. He's going to be more expensive than darling. Obviously he's got the pedigree, but at what point are you, you know, are you going to be going out and giving Flurry, you know, however many millions of dollars on top of what you're paying Ward? And if both of them start to go downhill at the same, I mean, Ward's already on the way down. And if Flurry's hit his peak, then what do you do? So I think that there probably was at least a little bit of a discussion about what to do with Flurry. 
Um, and I don't think he would have been super expensive had the, I mean, in, in terms of a trade, had the Hurricanes pursued that. But I think that this was probably the better solution for all parties, given that, um, you know, the last thing that Ron Francis wanted to do was replace Cam Ward with an even older goaltender and just put him back in the same position in two or three years. Where do you think you this, the, this Hurricanes team now is going to be pretty much landing in a tough metro? You obviously know better than, than us that this division is yeah. ridiculous, uh, and only a couple of teams can make it. So, well, nobody saw Columbus going, you know, gangbusters last year. They're going to come back to earth this year. I still think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're as good as we saw last year. Um, the Rangers. I hate to say it, guys, but I don't think you guys are making the playoffs, and it might be at, fight words. I know, I'm, but hey, hey, you want me on here to get my opinion or to kiss your rear end? No, one of those two. Definitely so, you know? the opinion. <laughs> definitely the opinion. I mean, you can do I both. I think this is the year. I, I, I mean, the, the Caps are in. Obviously, the Penguins are in. The third spot, you know, I think probably goes to Columbus. Might go to the Hurricanes. Might go to the Rangers. I think those are the three teams that you can pretty much bank on. I think the Rangers will make the playoffs. I just don't think that they'll be a top three. I think if they get in, it'll be a wild card. And I think that the Hurricanes do snag a wild card this year. I think that they, you know, the teams that they have to beat are, you know, the the Atlantic's not sending four teams to the playoffs, never mind five. Um, I think that they're better than the Flyers. I think they can be a couple points better than the Flyers. They're obviously, you know, miles ahead of the Devils. Um, the Islanders, boy, I don't know. That whole situation with Tavares is just so up in the air. It's that, pretty bad. It's and and the thing is, it's going to be lingering. Whatever the whatever the outcome is, it's going to be lingering over the franchise all season. So even if they, you know, even if they hang on to them, they're playing under this, you know, Charlie Brown cloud of rain that just kind of moves over the franchise no matter where they go. And it's definitely going to play on the on the you know on the psyche of the players. I mean, you're just kind of wondering when the shoe's going to drop, and that doesn't that that doesn't play well. Ask Columbus before they traded Rick Nash. They kind of had the same situation going on. So, you know, I I think that that situation is going to be enough of a distraction for the Islanders that they won't make the playoffs this year. So I think that I, I think I, I think I'll back off a little bit. I think I, I I'll go out and say the Rangers will make the playoffs, but I don't think they'll be top three. I think it'll be that fifth in the Metro will be in some order: Columbus, Carolina, and the Rangers. I actually agree with you. So it's not like yeah. we're really even fighting. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, if, you, if you asked me before we started recording, I would have told you best case scenario, the Rangers finished third in the Metro. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's best case too. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I mean, and, and, and really that, that kind of just depends on who goes on a winning streak at the right time more than anything. I mean, that's kind of what we saw with Columbus last year was that they just went on that ridiculous run that got them into the playoffs. By the time the playoffs got here, I mean, they were easy pickings for the, plank, for the Penguins, you know, in the first round. Um, so, or they didn't play the Penguins last year. Who'd they play? I can't even remember. It was <laughs> it was the Penguins or the Capitals. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was the Penguins because the Capitals. The yeah. Capitals were the one seed and the, they beat the, the Capitals were the one the... seed. Right. So yeah. it was the Penguins. Yeah. Whatever it was. Um, the, the point still stands that, you know, that, that run aside, if they play, you know, 500 hockey through that stretch rather than reeling off 16 straight wins. You're looking at a team that's got what about a hundred points, maybe a hundred, two hundred, three. So, you know, still a playoff team, you know, comfortably a playoff team, but they were nowhere near as good for the majority of last season as they were during that that one streak, and that was really what got them a solid playoff seed. 
And as we saw, it didn't do, do a much good once they got there. So we've heard your best case scenario for the Hurricanes, which sounds like a top four Metro team. What, what are the circumstances for this team? Like, what's the worst case scenario for them this year? What is in the realm of possibility? Like, if you run the season 100 times, this is the thing that happens mm-hmm. in that lower 10%. Um, Cam Ward plays 60 games. Um, Scott Darling is no better than Eddie Lack was. Uh, Jeff Skinner doesn't score 30 goals. Nobody on the team scores 30 goals. Sebastian Ajo goes through a, through a sophomore slump. Slavin and Pesci turn into pumpkins, and the Hurricanes finish with about 75 points. That sounds pretty miserable. Let us never, yep. let us never speak of this again. <laughs> that, that sounds <laughs> awful. But, hey, we kind of have that same worst-case scenario, so yeah. we'll see. Now, the, the likelihood of that happening, to be fair, isn't zero, but it's pretty close. So right. I don't really think that's going to be much of an issue. Um, maybe two of, know, maybe two of those things happen, but I doubt all I mean, I six or seven any, of them I don't do. think there's, I don't think there's any way that Scott Darling can be bad enough that he won't play at least 50 games. So, you know, barring an injury, obviously. So, you know, you're looking if, – if they have to turn back to Cam Ward – this fan base might mutiny. It really might. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if Sebastian Ajo slows down just a little bit. I mean, he took a while to get going last year, but once he got going, he was really consistent for the rest of the year. And I'm kind of wondering if the offseason may give some teams a chance to kind of get the book out on him a little bit. And so it'll be an issue of how well he adjusts to what teams throw at him, because I don't think that he's going to be able to fly under the radar quite as much as he was at times last year. Um, Skinner health is always a concern with him. Um, he's been healthy the last, I think three years he's played eight games. Um, so it hasn't been as much of an issue as it was earlier in his career, but you just kind of always have that lurking thing of when the next concussion's coming. He's already had three in his career. And so it's just kind of a matter of when the next one comes down the pike and you're just kind of, you know, playing with fire in a way and hoping that it doesn't happen. But to his credit, he's been fine for the last few years. And they're certainly not banking on it happening or anything like that soon. It's just one of those things that's always just kind of lurking out there, waiting to rear its head into really inopportune time. And if that happens for the Hurricanes, they could be in trouble. But I don't think that they will be. Um, This is a team, as it's constituted right now, that should make the playoffs, I think. And if they don't, it'll be because the division gangbusters again. And I don't think there's any way it can be as gangbusters as Washington's coming back to the pack a little as good as they were last year um columbus we've already said is going to take a step back so points are out there i in pretty good shape i will say i do love jeff skinner he's one of the under the radar players in the nhl that i don't think gets enough attention and credit from opposing no, fan he base. doesn't and, and again that's that's just another that's that's another you know it's it's another example of just players on this team flying under the radar. I mean, he was was an all star his first his rookie season, uh, the game that was played here, and ever since. I mean, when he's been on the ice, he's been super consistent. And I think that if he can do that again, you know, that's they're counting on him for upwards of thirty goals and you know fifty five to sixty points. Anything he puts in beyond that is gravy. Um, I think they're counting on a pretty big bounce back season from Victor Rask, who. Uh, was great at the beginning of last season and then just completely disappeared for the last like 60 games or so. Um, they need him to live up to his contract. Um, they need, they need Ajo not to take a step back. Uh, they need Jordan Stahl to keep doing what he's doing. But I think with what they have and the addition of Justin Williams, which should, you know, 
he's pretty much a guarantee for 20 or 25 goals every year. That should be enough to get him over the hump. How close it, how close it gets is still open to question, but I think they probably should get there this year. Yeah. I just think if you take Skinner off the hurricanes and put him on a team in a bigger market, and it doesn't even have to be a significantly bigger market. Like if he goes to St. Louis and plays with Vladimir Tereschenko or a team like that, oh, yeah. I, I, I think the entire league recognizes just how talented this guy yeah. is. If he goes, if he goes to Tampa and plays with Stamkos, same thing, you know. Well, I think we've talked entirely too much hockey now. Um, I do want to ask okay. you a nonsense question before let's, we get let's out. Let's talk here. about let's talk about some uh, let's talk about some bullshit then. Absolutely. You got uh, you got okay. any more real estate filings for yeah, us that we up, should know? What's about? up with the Florida market right now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, quick question for you that we ask everyone: Yo. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. Ah, I like this guy. Oh my God, get off. All right. Um, <laughs> and uh, actually, act- actually, I, I've come around on that. I used to think that it, and I eventually came around because my argument was that a hamburger was also not a sandwich because it's a hamburger. But I eventually came around to that. And if you're going to say that one is and the other isn't, then you're really picking myths. So I've come around. So yes, it is a sandwich. Okay. Much as I hate to admit it. I mean, yeah. At least you hate it. At least you hate it. Oh. I think I, I think I can now forgive you for stealing the whalers. Like I can get over it now. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad if that if that was all it took. I mean, we should have just started this at the beginning and we would have gotten off on a great start. It is one of those things where I I've never once in my I was I'm old enough to the whalers were a thing when I was little. Um, right. Obviously, they moved before I matured as a sports fan, but I was always rooting for the Rangers. There was never a time in my life where I was a whaler fan, but mm-hmm. they being the only professional team in Connecticut and everyone kind of felt protective of them even if you didn't root for them so it was it was jarring when they left there was and I, there was a time down here a long time ago before the hurricanes were here that we got something called home team sports on our cable system which was what eventually became CSN mid-atlantic and so we got uh we got caps games down here and I was never a caps fan per se but if we had to pick a team that we were watching, that was the one because we got all the Caps games down here for a long time before the Hurricanes got here. Um, not to say that there's a huge like contingent of Caps fans around here, but I kind of know where you're coming from because that was just what was always on where we were. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's okay. We've all everyone in Connecticut invested their time in UConn basketball as soon as the Whalers left, and that's oh when- yeah. That's when Ray Allen came to school and we won a championship. So I yeah, think people that was, forgot that was definitely the better wagon to hitch to for sure. Right. You guys want to cut? Hey. You guys want to cut, man? Like uh, we also we also had and, and, like and prime Ron Francis. How many, and and how many former Whalers fans were thrilled that Peter Carmanis won a cup? Let's be fair, like seven. Exactly. Yeah. We were just angry. And that. most of those, and most of those, not only had forgiven him but become Hurricanes fans. So yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there are a lot of Hurricane fans in Hartford. I think they're all still Whaler fans. They're all hanging yeah, on to it. No, you're absolutely right. There aren't any Hurricanes fans because they're so pissed at how how that all ended. Yeah, they're still mad. And I love how Hartford's always brought up as a uh, expansion location. It's like the Eastern Seattle for the NHL. Seattle yeah, is exactly. number one. It has to be number one priority. It has to be. It's, oh yeah. It, yeah. There's no other way. It abs- no, it is it is the number one priority. They're just waiting for their arena situation to be settled. If it wasn't the number one priority, they would have given a team to Quebec City in the last expansion. No question. The, the, this isn't an NBA podcast, but the fact that the NBA isn't back in Seattle is a goddamn crime. It's insane that I they're not there. I Agreed. just don't understand it. The, the NBA and the NHL should share a team there like and just go go at it. That should be okay. Yeah. So yeah. Simple I, enough. I totally agree with you. 
All right. Thanks for coming on. Right. And appreciate you, appreciate bet, you talking uh, all fun. hurricanes. If we have a nice a nice highlight series, maybe you can come back on during the season. We'll talk shit to each other and uh, have a good time. Sounds like a plan, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I hey, appreciate it. Before you go, why don't you plug your Twitter? Oh, yeah. It's uh, at BD LeBlanc, L-E-B-L-A-N-C. And you can uh, hit us up at canescountry.com. Um, I would give you the Twitter handle, but it's kind of cumbersome. So just go there and you'll be linked to our uh, – you can link to our Twitter from there. Um, but yeah, we've got a, we've got a lot of good stuff there, a really good writing staff. So, uh, go check our stuff out. It's uh, it's worth your time. And now people clearly can yell because you <laughs> clearly because people that, uh, clearly because people would find out things like Dan Girardi bought Steve Eiserman's house. Uh, really <laughs> might've been the, the biggest news we've ever broken on this podcast. We broke the, Shat- right? we broke the Shattenkirk news like seven weeks early. Um, cause we had an insider insider source, but, uh, this is the second biggest news. Well, there you go. I'm glad I could be of service. Appreciate it. I appreciate you it. Got know, it. This, might, this might be bigger than Chat and Kirk, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're laying the groundwork here. That was pretty good. <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate All it. All right, Brian. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. Yep, you got Bye. it. Bye. And we have a special guest in honor of Game of Thrones. We have brought on a the Jackets Cannon writer, and his name is Pale Dragon. Pale Dragon, say hello. Hello. So you don't sound much like a dragon. Uh, you are just I not. you are just a writer at thejacketscannon.com, a Blue Jackets coverage site. Is, am I correct in saying that? Yes. And I pronounced your name correctly. You did. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. I just I just like to point out, Ryan, two for two on the names tonight. That's a record for you. I've never gone one thousand. Uh, batting. I messed this up. Let's keep, let's move on. <laughs> All right. So listen, we brought you on to talk a little bit about blue, the Blue Jackets. Obviously, you guys had a surprise season last year. You have Tortorella, a great, fantastic ex-Ranger coach who is known to ride his players a little bit hard. Uh, what do you think the biggest move of your offseason was? Uh, obviously, the the huge move was uh, acquiring Artemi Panarin from Chicago. Uh, that was kind of a it came out of nowhere. <laughs> I was surprised to see it happen. Um, there were a lot of fans who were unhappy with Brandon Saad, but I never thought the the team would move on. And and they weren't unhappy with Saad. I think they just saw a chance to add a great player, and they and they took the chance. So uh, I think Panarin's going to be a huge, huge addition to the team. I'm really excited to uh, see what he does here. The Blue Jackets, while we call them a surprise, were they a surprise for you last year? Were you expecting a top three season in one of the – probably the hardest division in the NHL? Yeah, no, I – I'm the, the sort of the resident optimist on the staff there at the Cannon, and I had us as like the last wildcard team in from the East. So I, I thought that they had the talent to be a playoff team. Uh, I did not imagine that they would be a 50-win team. I certainly did not see them getting that good that quickly. Have you fallen in love with Tortorella? I have. I have. I definitely have. Uh, I was, you know... I was more open-minded than some were when he got hired um, just because I knew that the team needed a change in leadership. And I knew that he was known as a ball buster, but I thought that that's kind of what that roster needed at that point. And uh, so, so far I think he's been a great fit and he has pressed all the right buttons in terms of getting the players to, uh, to play at their maximum level. Are you worried that Tortorella's message somehow fades out over the years? Um, no, uh, I expect that that will happen at some point, but I think that he can still leave the team better than he found it. So if there's a another coach that's necessary to take the team to like Stanley Cup contention level, 
But if that's after, you know, a few years of deep playoff runs, like what happened in New York. Yeah, you're pretty I, much just I, describing I, New York. Yeah, I'd be I would be totally fine with that. So I think he's he's the right coach for this team, but as the players get older, then perhaps there'd be another coach that would that would take them farther. Yeah. Well you want Alain Vigneault? We can give you him next. Yeah, we'll trade him up. <laughs> we'll just give him back. We'll switch back. You have A V, we'll take Torts back. Everyone will be happy. Sure. Sergey Bobrovsky. Discuss. Yeah. I, I don't have a good question to lead into that. It's just like he's 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 the goat all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I wouldn't say it's all of a sudden. I mean, he also won the Vezina back in 2013. So uh, this season was not a surprise. We knew that he was capable of it. He had uh, just had a couple seasons where he had been fighting some injuries. So the question coming into last year was, you know, could he stay healthy? And he he changed his training strategies in the off season, and uh, well, it, it paid off. He he stayed healthy. So uh, and yeah, he definitely carried the team at stretches there. Uh, unfortunately not in the playoffs. So that's the big question for him is uh, can regular season Bob show up in the playoffs? Because we, we definitely need regular season Bob in the playoffs if we expect to to make a deep run. How much of that was Bob Rofsky maybe being tired and how much of that was the Blue Jackets just kind of seemed to come unhinged in the playoffs? Like nothing seemed to work. Uh, honestly, I, I think it was a lot of it I, I put on Bob. Uh, I think he, he there's saves that he usually makes that, he did not make. Uh, overall, I wasn't too disappointed with how the Jackets as a team played against Pittsburgh. I mean, obviously, Pittsburgh was a great team. So, you know, there's really not a shame in losing to the two-time Stanley Cup champion. I mean, we beat them uh, twice, not, not to brag, but they did They did get us last time pretty dirty. They got us real bad. They did us dirty. So Yeah. Yeah, so they, they uh, I think the, there was a little bit of bad luck. Um, you know, generally, the Jackets were out shooting the Penguins. It's just that the scoring chances the Penguins got, they converted, and Columbus just did not convert on enough of their scoring chances. Now, I know I want to talk a lot about this offseason with you, obviously, and I want to talk about where you think the Blue Jackets are going, but it's hard to bring a Blue Jacket writer on the pod and not at least mention the Rick Nash trade. I don't think, in hindsight, with, with everything being 2020, I don't think there's a Ranger fan at all upset with that trade on our end. I mean, obviously we got Rick Nash and very quietly acquired Pavel Buchnevich with the third round pick. We also got in that trade. What does that trade look like here and now on the Blue Jacket side? Because I think, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon Dubinsky really is the last man standing in that deal. He is. He is, yeah. Uh, and uh, but we also got uh, uh, Artemin Isimov, who was uh, who played very well for us, and then he was a key part of the Brandon Sod trade. So you can you could sort of take a trade several steps out, you know, to see what it got us. So I think, uh, yeah, I don't think any Blue Jackets fan would take that trade back. Um, it was, I think, it was time to turn the page. That 2012 season was really, really bad, and Nash was not as a good of a player as he is. He's not a leader. And so I think being a captain was a poor fit for him. So he needed a change of scenery. We needed new voices in the locker room. And uh, Dubinsky, I think, really established a new identity for the Blue Jackets. And if you look at the team now, it sort of fits Dubinsky's mold, you know, of, you know, some skill, but also very physical, very intense. Uh, and so I think that was, uh, that was a good culture change at that point. I think it's crazy. It's one of the few trades that I can remember where I don't think either team would go back and undo it. Because I, I don't know a Ranger fan that isn't 
they, they might have their problems here and there with Rick Nash, but I don't know a single Ranger fan that isn't excited about Pavel Buchnevich. And obviously, like you said, uh, just if you do six degrees of separation, it's basically Panarin and Dubinsky, the results of that Nick, Rick Nash trade on your side. So I, I have a hard time thinking of an NHL trade that's worked out as well for both parties in well, recent uh, One I think that would rival that would be uh, Seth Jones for Brian Johansson. Ah, that's a good point. That's a great point. So I, it's fortunate Columbus has actually been part of a lot of good hockey trades in recent years where we've traded – you know, for uh, we've gotten good pieces in return, you know, trading for a position of strength, for a position of need. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, you don't need to fleece a team every time you make a trade. Like it can work out for both sides. I think it's best if it works out for both sides, really. You should try trading with Montreal sometime. They're easy to fleece. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to make that joke because, you know, listen, their trades always work out for them. So mm-hmm. the, that Drew N trade is going to really, there's no way it, it flops for them. It's 100% chance. <laughs> <laughs> They're all good. Uh, where do you see the Blue Jackets kind of landing in a ridiculously stacked Metro this year? Oh, it's hard to say. Um, I, I, I think, you know, some teams uh, will probably take a step back. Uh, I don't expect Washington to be as good, obviously. There you go. Um, and I think, uh, I think Carolina is going to be a surprise team. I think they're going to be a playoff team. This we don't. Year, right? We actually don't think they're a surprise. We think they're like pretty out there. Uh, they're a top five team in this in this division, I think. Yeah. So, but then it, you know, the Islanders seem. I, I I don't know if they'll be good or not. You know, that's that's kind of a tough call there. But you, uh, you, you can also be honest about the Islanders. They won't be. Um, <laughs> they're they're going to be they're going to be bad, and John Tavares is going to be a cloud the entire season. I mean, I wouldn't bet on them to be good, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were. They have some talented pieces, you it's, know. But it uh, sounds like you'd bet on them to be bad. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> okay, but yeah, no. So I, I would have Columbus uh, third again, probably. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's a fair spot. I think I, Ryan and I have talked about this before. I think the most optimistic view as Ranger fans and guys who obviously talk about them all the time. I think Ryan and I say best case scenario is if any team falls out of the top three in the Metro, it would be the Blue Jackets. But even then, we don't see the Rangers ever able to climb higher than three. And I, I, would, I would bet the Rangers are fourth again. I, don't, I think the Blue Jackets are still slightly better. Yeah, that's probably how I'd put it. But again, I don't know if though, do I want to keep Washington in the top two in the division? I don't yeah, know. That's the thing. Washington is not as good. We're also not taking into perspective here uh, the Olympics and if Ovi actually goes. You know, that could really cause the points to drop for the Capitals. So that maybe they could, that could drop to the third or fourth spot. Who knows? Although how much time would he miss realistically? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the, the, the real, two weeks or we just show up towards, uh, you know, for the last week or so of the competition. Well, the, the real question with that, and I, we've talked about it before, is if Ovi goes to the Olympics, does the NHL suspend him? I think that I think that's the real interesting part about Ovi going. I mean, if he misses two weeks, he misses two weeks. But I wonder if there would be punitive measures taken against Ovechkin for basically going against the code of the league. That's that's the part that gets real interesting for me. Yeah, although I think you know, that's probably a trade that both uh, Ovi and the Capitals would make because it would give him a chance to play in the Olympics, which he wants to do. And if he missed additional time, I mean, he's he's got a lot of mileage, so having time off in the middle of the season could actually be beneficial to him and to the Capitals. So there's maybe some, some points in the standings that they're surrendering, but if they make the playoffs again, 
uh, they could have their star player be more rested than maybe he's been in past seasons. That's interesting. So give us give us your best case scenario after all the moves the Blue Jackets made. What what do you think is the one hundredth percentile outcome for the Blue Jackets this year? Well, best case would be that they are able to sort of repeat what they did in the regular season, have another fifty win season, hundred plus points, uh, maybe be in the top two seeds in the division. So being able to have home field advantage for the first round would be huge. Uh, best case would obviously be winning a series, which we have not yet done. So that's the next goal. Um, you know, I, we have not yet made playoffs in back-to-back years. So that's the thing I'm really desperate for is to, can we at least get back to the playoffs again this year to build some momentum that way? And uh, as, as long as we're not paired up against Pittsburgh, you know, can we win a first-round series at least? That would be a huge step forward for, for such a young team to get that kind of experience. And now the flip side of that coin, worst case scenario, something that if you if the season happens 100 times, this only happens five times or less. Well, I could see a, a season like 2014-2015 uh, where we lost 500 man games to injury. Uh, that could always happen again, uh, and that would be that would be terrible. That's what happened the last time after coming off a playoff appearance. We just had the injury bug and couldn't couldn't overcome that. So that would be that'd be the worst case scenario. The other worst case would be if it was like 2015-16, where they just came out of the gate lackluster and started 0 and 8. All of a sudden, we're in a hole that they they couldn't climb out of. Uh, but I I just with Tortorella in charge the whole time, I don't see that kind of slow start happening again. But obviously, the the injury bug uh, could strike again. Now, is there a player we should watch next year that isn't Bob that we should kind of pay more attention to? I guess you know, I don't. I don't want to say Panna, but obviously he's from. He's a national uh, kind of. Yeah, every, yeah. Everyone, that's everyone, everyone knows who well, that is already. My uh, my my personal favorite player on the team right now is Oliver Brookstrand, and uh, I've been a big fan of his since they drafted him. Mostly be, first because his name was awesome. Like that's just such that's a metal name, Brookstrand. Uh, I every time I type it, I type it in all caps. Uh, but then he actually turned out to be a pretty, pretty strong player. His last season in Portland was was fantastic. Uh, when he was playing with the Cleveland Monsters, he uh, scored ten game winning goals when they won the Calder Cup, including three of them in overtime. Uh, and then he has uh, not played a full season in Columbus yet. Uh, we thought that would be last year, but he started off slow and got sent down. Uh, but once he got called up, uh, he had a really good good run with us. Uh, he's a just a he's a fast player. He's a great shooter. He's uh, sort of a similar game to Cam Atkinson, but he's uh, he's a little bit bigger than Cam. So uh, he's a very exciting player, and I, I look forward to uh, having a full season of him if he can put that together. And last year was a stacked year for rookies. I mean, everyone thinks of Patrick Laine, they think of Austin Matthews, but I I don't think it's a secret to say that Chris Ransky was one of the best rookies to skate last year, and Sky's the limit for him defensively. Yeah, if he, uh, you know, if it had been any other season, uh, he would have been the hands down winner of the Calder Trophy. I mean, if you look at his numbers, they were as good or better than Aaron Ekblad when he won it. But it's just he happened to <laughs> be in the same year as, you know, two generational talents there at Matthews and Line. So uh, it was, you know, I think he still got enough credit league wide. I think everyone acknowledges how great he is. I saw he's already on the NHL's list of top 20 defenders. And that's not, not just among young players, but among all defenders, he's on there. And, and I think that's, that's worthy. He's a very exciting player to watch. Uh, I, honestly, I think Seth Jones should have been on that list as well. I think they're both uh, really great young defensemen. And uh, 
everyone in Columbus is thrilled to have both of those guys on the team for several years to come. God, there's so much good defense in this division now. It pisses me off. I hate it. Like the Rangers, <laughs> the Rangers so get much. a good defense. The Rangers get a good defense finally for the first time in what feels like 1,700 years. And it's like the Hurricanes have the greatest top four known to man. We got to worry about Seth Jones and Wierenski and Columbus. Uh, I don't worry about anything the Islanders do. But there are other good defenders <laughs> in the division. It's just it, – it's really – I mean, I'm not trying to be woe is me, but it's just – I want to highlight how insane it is defensively, this division. Well, the the I look at it is it makes for a lot of very fun hockey. It's fun to watch these teams in the Metro play. I mean, there's no easy game in the division. Uh, a lot of great rivalries. You know, the realignment, people rip on Bettman for it. But I think it's been great, honestly. Uh, I, I think and there's a lot of uh, just a lot of energy in the division between these teams. The, the players seem to get up for these division matchups. And it's fun to get to see all of these great players play. I love going to the games and seeing all these stars that come through, especially the ones in our division. Yeah, I, I will say I like the realignment. I think the only change I would make, there's got to be a way to get the Bruins in the uh, the Metro, just for rivalry sakes. Sure. It, it feels weird that the Bruins aren't in the division with the Rangers, the Flyers, the Islanders, the Devils. It does feel wrong. It feels off. Like, I, I don't know who the who the team is I would replace. I, I mean, I, I hate to say it because we just had Brian LeBlanc of Kane's Country on here, but... I, I would not not from a I, I would flip the Bruins and the Hurricanes. I think the Bruins just make more sense in the Metro. Yeah, but at the same time, the, the, look, I'm I'm also saying that because the Bruins are a much inferior team right now to the Hurricanes, and the Hurricanes scare the crap out of me. So, little column. Well, a, the, the Bruins were a tough out. Uh, they, they beat uh, Columbus two of the three times we played last year. They were the one team that really had our number right from the beginning. Uh, so, uh, they, they they're not. Uh, not as uh, as bad as some people thought. I think coming into the season. Yeah, I just I always wait for them. If they trade Pastranic, not even five years after trading Sagan, that that is just incredible. If they if they oh, trade, yeah, that, that, would, that would be that would be idiotic on their part. God, I, I love the Bruins. I just I want them to stick around. That's all I'm saying. I feel pretty good about it. All right, let's let's wrap this up. We're going to ask you a quick nonsense question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I'll wait. Hello. Hey, can you still me? Oh, good. Great timing. Uh, can, yeah, sorry about That's okay. The screen kind of locked out a little bit. That's fine. Uh, I was asking you a very important question. The drama intensified. So we're, we're, we'll rewind it back. Is a hot dog <laughs> a sandwich? Absolutely. Oh, ah, there we go. Two for two. Uh, not the only two for two for today. I hate this place. It's, it, it's meat surrounded by bread. That's close enough for my purpose. I hate you're, you're, preaching, you're preaching to the choir, my friend. I, just want, I wanted to let you know that all our division rivals agree with you. Just going to say that. So, is this the right answer? Yeah. Okay. It's, whatever. It's the, I don't, that's the, I, Ryan, I don't know what you want me to say. The people are right. They're still human beings. I can't deal with you as a human in general. All right. Um, any other things we want to throw him, uh, pale dragons away? I think, I think we've tackled the blue jackets pretty well. Right, I'm, I'm afraid of them. I would say if gun to my head, I think the blue jackets are still the third best team in the Metro. But it, it honestly it makes me so happy to hear you know division rivals say that they're afraid of us. You know, for so year, so many years we were an afterthought, so it's nice to be getting that kind of. Respect. I didn't say afraid. Here's the, here's, here's the thing: I wouldn't afraid. It's not the word I would use. I think if the Rangers face the Blue Jackets in a playoff series, I'd feel very confident in that series. It's just over an 82 game season. I think the Blue Jackets will finish with more points. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I think I think those things those things can be mutually exclusive. Like, I, I'm afraid it, of the Penguins. 
Yeah, like the Penguins could finish the season with 50 points. I'd still be terrified of the Penguins. The Blue Jackets could finish the season undefeated, and I'd get to the playoffs, and I'd be like, I like my odds. Sure. Yeah, that, that's fair. All right, man. Well, See, this is this is how I know you're like the most optimistic guy in the world. I'm trying to like crap on the Blue Jackets, and you're like, yeah, that's yeah, fair. yeah, they'll be okay. They're gonna be that's, fine. That's fine. I, I, I've sat through so many games in half empty stadium watching a team that was just phoning it in for half a season. So I'm uh, yeah, but like I, you, you can't hurt me. But how how much does it cost for you to go to games? Three dollars? Like that's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, cost of living in Columbus is very nice compared to New York. Yeah, sure. well, if we want to go to a Ranger game, like oh Jesus, you can charge twenty dollars. You can charge twenty dollars to fart outside Madison Square Garden. You can. It's the, pretty impressive. The Rangers are, are one of the uh, I, I would say maybe the fourth most popular visiting fan in terms of the size of the fan base that comes to games in Columbus. That's because it's cheaper to buy a plane ticket and a game ticket to Columbus than it is a game ticket in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. We could, yeah, you could, we could sit courtside. Courtside, wow. Ice side. <laughs> rink side. Side. There you go. Side. We could sit side. I could sit right by the ice for just as like a cost of a plane ticket, which can't be that much. And I, what, what do you think for a row seats at, uh, what, what's the name of your, of your stadium? Nationwide Arena. Um, it's about uh, it's about seventy five dollars space for for lower bowl oh seats. What? Oh my what? God. You can't even sit upper decks for seventy five dollars. Yeah, you can't even sit upper deck. You can't even sit nosebleeds. And, and, and you can get uh, sometimes there are ten dollar uh, limited uh, number of seats in the upper deck that you can get day of the game uh, online. So okay, well, yeah, it sounds like I'm going to Columbus for a game this year. Yeah, so. Well, I'll call you up. I'll hit you up, Pale Dragon. Come on down. You, you can fly on over, and then we'll watch a game together. Drinks on me? All right, awesome, man. Well, well not now I'm in. See, now, <laughs> now you've <laughs> Oh, alcoholism. All right, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we can, we can hear from you during the season, and we'll talk some crap to each other uh, while we're competing in this tough-ass metro. Oh, pimp, sounds good. Pimp yourself out before you oh, go. Oh, yeah, Twitter it where up. Can, where can people find you? Okay, my Twitter handle is at PaleDragonCBus. Uh, and you can also follow the Canon at, at @cbjcanon, and the website is jacketscanon.com. Awesome, man! Thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Bye bye. Hey, welcome back. Just want to thank both writers for coming on. Uh, the Metro Series preview is not only a way for us to learn more about other teams in real estate, but for everyone out there who doesn't really know about their, you know, most fiercest rivals. We're just trying to help you out. That's all. And by the way, yeah. it's the dog days of summer, and we don't have much to talk about. Most fiercest rivals. That's why we brought on the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets both at once because they're definitely one, two. Fierce rival podcast. That's what today's was. Uh, mm. Let's talk a little bit of nonsense. This is the nonsense portion of our podcast where we usually say, hey, we're done talking hockey. Thanks so much for coming. Follow us at Blue Shirts Break. Greg, you were going to tell me something, a story earlier about registration in Georgia? So you need to get your car registered, right? In New York. But you just found this out. In New York. Did not know that was a thing. Uh, I've been. I've had my car... Okay, well, not registered, inspected. Yes. It's a, it's a, yeah. Everyone has to get well, inspected once a year. Right. When I got my car registered, I thought I'd remember them being like, well, here's a, free, here's a voucher for a free inspection at locations. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's very nice of you. I don't know why I have to do that. I'm not going to. That's very nice of you for giving me the free option, though. <laughs> uh, and, and then, but like, I didn't verbalize that. I just said, okay, because I wanted to get out of the DMV. Yes. Uh, and then when I went to the bachelor party a couple of weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine was just like, where's your inspection sticker? I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, inspection sticker? He's like, Greg, your car has to be inspected by law in the state of New York. I was like, no, it doesn't. You're insane. If, if it had to be I'm, inspected, someone would have told I'm me it had to be inspected. I'm shocked that you didn't know this. 
I didn't. I li- look. I lived in Georgia for six years. My car never had to be inspected. Shocked. I really am. I know it's not a big deal, but it just it is mind blowing to me. I, I, I well, it, it is it is a big deal because my car failed the inspection today. Oh, that's a huge deal. Did they get yeah, you? Yeah, my tire my my tire tread it was too low, so I had a I had to spend three hundred and fifty dollars on tires. not four. I only needed to get two new tires, and it was still three hundred and fifty dollars. So oh, I they got, got you tires bad, today. dude. That's a really usually get four for about four hundred. Right? I don't know. I see. This can is I what, ask? Can I ask a question though? Were you at, yeah, go for it. Were you at Pet Boys? I was at Mavis. Yeah. Mavis Discount Tire. Bullshit oh, is no, what I say to that. No way. That, that was no discount. They, that was, what was the discount? <laughs> I, I don't know. That they, they can fuck me raw as opposed to uh, they, wearing were, a condom. Were they snow tires? No. I, but like I looked at the guy. I was like, look, if I'm paying this much money, these fuckers better work in snow because I'm not buying snow tires. I just love how when um, we go from hockey, we don't really we curse a little bit in hockey. But as soon as we get to nonsense, we just drop them. Well, that's because life is depressing, man. I just spent money that I didn't want to spend on tires that I know are overpriced. But it's one of those things, like, motherfucker had me over a barrel. The tires were off my car. My car failed inspection. What was I going to do? Being like, well, I guess uh, no, that's I'm how out they, here. That's how they get you. Uh, right. Like, I was up Shit's Creek without a paddle. I literally couldn't just drive away from that situation. And there were no tires on my car when he told me I needed tires or else my car would fail this inspection. Well, even if you tell them and i think this i think this is how this works even if you tell them all right well i'm not buying tires from you they go well we can't leave your let your car leave this facility because it's not inspected exactly they failed inspection it's not road safe so they would have just kept my car so i i i literally planned this as terribly as i could and i blame the state of new york i think it's ridiculous that my car needs to be inspected i i'm just i did when you said georgia your car doesn't need to be inspected i like my brain exploded i've only known this life i've never seen other lights I, I think in Connecticut, when I grew up in Connecticut, it, emission tests were mandatory, but I don't think you needed to have your car inspected in order in order for it to be road legal. Um, I, 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 I honestly had no idea. I, I, look, I'm a decent driver, so it's not like I get tickets. Uh, I haven't been I haven't put myself in situations to get pulled over. Right. So it's not like a, a police officer would ever be like, why isn't your car inspected? I would have loved for you to get pulled over and a cop should be like, dude, is your car not inspected? <laughs> and you'd be like, what? I would have. And you know what I would have done? I would have looked at the officer like, what the fuck are you talking about? Who yeah, cares? Yeah. Like, you pulled, sir, you pulled me over for a stupid speeding ticket. Was it matter that my car is inspected? Like, that's how that conversation would have gone. And he would have been like, sir, step out of the car. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you now have to impound your car until it gets inspected. Yeah. Oh, and- by the way, your tires aren't legal. So here's $350 he- plus the speeding ticket that I'm giving you. And he would have never believed you you would have like you know it's got to be inspected you, and you the thing is you would have been well, telling the in, truth. My, in my defense in my defense my driver's license is still a georgia license so okay. i i would have just been like i moved here a year ago it is not a requirement in georgia wait do you have georgia plates no not anymore okay. i have new york plates now okay all right all right well very fun uh i can't it's mind-blowing a lot of mind-blowing stuff today the girardi household the registration in georgia yeah, we're getting we're getting into like the dirty details of adult life on this podcast, basically. We're just breaking down the secrets of being twenty eight. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about the fight. The fight. Yeah, yeah. Give me Mayweather, your, Mayweather McGregor. Give me your your immediate reaction. Immediate reaction. It ended exactly how I thought it would end. Uh, was very shocked. It ended in ten rounds. Was even more shocked that after six rounds, I think it, I thought it was an even fight. I thought it was 3-3 after six rounds. It was 3-3. And it was funny. I don't really understand boxing. Because when Floyd started winning pretty heavily, 
uh, around the fourth or fifth round. And then uh, the points showed up, and they had Connor only down one point. And I was like, what? How does this work? I, I just I, – every Well, that was that – was, so Showtime has their own, quote, unquote, um, unofficial judge that judges the fights for them. Uh, HBO does the same thing. I actually like the way HBO does it because they put it up, put it up after every round. Okay. Um, for whatever reason, Showtime waits until the sixth to put their cards up, and it, it just bothers me because – there's how I call the fight, but I I like seeing the confirmation. Um, but the everything after round six was so heavily Floyd that a couple of those rounds, even though there weren't knockouts, you could have judged them 10-8 Mayweather. Like you could have take, given him an extra point. Um, McGregor, I, I always knew McGregor was going to come out of the gates hot and gas out. I didn't think he'd get... I mean, he was, you could tell he was getting gassed in the seventh round. In the ninth round, you can tell that his energy level was zero. So it was inevitable in the 10th that Floyd was just going to be too much. Um, I I wouldn't call this a traditional knockout because I really. I was I know shocked. McGregor, McGregor's by the way. all talk. McGregor's all, I mean, the ref did the right thing. He stopped the fight. McGregor couldn't defend himself anymore. But uh, I don't watch boxing, but I, I think he needed another one, one more minute. He needed one more. No, minute. his legs were gone. He couldn't like the only thing keeping Conor McGregor standing was the fact that he was he is a, an elite world class athlete. Okay, his legs were dead. He had no energy left in him. I don't think like I don't think his mental capacities were thrown off at all by Mayweather. I think McGregor was of a sound mind, but he had zero energy. There was there was no life left in his legs. He was dead on his feet. Um, but in all seriousness, this is not to take away from Conor McGregor. I, even though I knew Floyd May- Mayweather was going to win that fight, Conor McGregor made that a more competitive fight than I ever expected it to be. Absolutely. He and came right I, out. I didn't, he, he threw Floyd off. He was doing that right-hand jab kind of check. A really, <laughs> It was just it, – it was funny because you can tell there are times where during that fight, McGregor forgot that he was boxing Absolutely. and not he, in MMA. He went to hammer, hammer him like eight times. But, and he was throwing punches from the back like – McGregor, and that's not McGregor's fault. This this is a guy that trains karate, jujitsu. It's his instinct. It's his instinct. That's that's what he's been doing for the last twenty plus years of his life. And by the way, he's damn good at it. Yeah. Here's the thing: Conor McGregor gave Floyd Mayweather a run for his money in the ring. If those two stepped into the octagon, Floyd Mayweather would be unable to give Conor McGregor a run for his money. Under two minutes, McGregor would dominate him and knock him out within two minutes. Under two minutes, easy. Because but, McGregor, McGregor would throw a kick that Floyd would not be ready for. He would get Floyd on his back. You, I mean, you saw it in this fight. Floyd was more than willing to give up his back to Conor McGregor. If you give up your back to Conor McGregor in an octagon, you're fucked. You're done. You're done, dude. So I, I could you think of another scenario where both these people win harder than they actually won? Like, McGregor comes out of this. Like, everyone says he did a great job. Uh, Floyd maintains his, his record. Does he fights a non-boxer to go 51 and 0? And then or 50, 50, 50, 50, 50 and 0. 50 sorry. I was counting. 50, 50, yeah, 51 and 0 if you count his wife. I was counting his wife. And then <laughs> oh my god. Uh, terrible joke. And then uh it's not, it's not a joke, it's a sad reality. It, yeah. Floyd Mayweather is a, a despicable disgusting human being. We are it is depressing. We're not breaking, we're not breaking news on this podcast. We're seriously not, and he can't read. But uh you know, they both made Buco Dolores. They both made like $127 million, dude. Like, Oh, Floyd, Floyd, I think, is in the $300 million range. Are you serious? That was a rumor? 
Yeah, yeah. No, he he. The rumor is he took home as much as three hundred million dollars because of this fight between the guaranteed purse, the promotions, uh, him fucking bet. It is unbelievable that it is. Le- I mean, I guess it's it should be you should be able to bet on yourself if you're a professional athlete. But the fact that Floyd Mayweather was throwing down five hundred thousand dollar bets on himself to win in the tenth round is just asinine to me that that's allowed yeah i think that's pretty sketchy because <laughs> especially because you could see like floyd play defensive the first three rounds and of course floyd, this- threw, floyd threw six punches in each of the first two rounds right and then all of a sudden in the fourth round he's like oh i and by the way i've never seen floyd mayweather, mayweather walk forward i have watched five of his fights and he walked forward and it was over that was it well, well i mean some of that is exactly what we all thought was going to happen by the fifth round there was just mcgregor was throwing punches there just wasn't any juice behind him anymore nope he yeah. just and he, hit he just with got nice tired look, yeah. look this is a guy that only once in his mma career had he fought a whole a full 25 minutes in a championship bout this is a guy that just is not prepared to go that deep in the fight and this is a guy that just boxed with the greatest boxer of his generation for 30 plus minutes of course you're gonna get fucking tired yeah, Floyd's fitness, and it's just incredible. The guy's got so much endurance. He's been doing it for years. He's ready. So it's, uh, I all t- hats off to Connor. You know, guy was on welfare five years ago. Now he's collecting $127 million checks. Good for him, man. I'm excited to see what McGregor does next, because it, it, it's anyone's guess. If it, Anyone who says definitively they know what he's going to do next, they don't know. I have no um, idea. I really don't. He, he, McGregor was good enough in the ring that he can just stay in boxing if he wants to and just collect mega paychecks against middle middle class fighters or he could go back to the ufc and be the highest paid mixed martial artist of all time um he might do both let me i'll, I'll put it this way ufc needs mcgregor more than mcgregor ever needs oh the ufc, UFC needs him so bad right now he's the biggest they, name, no re- stars. name recognition they have no stars the guy talks excellent shit he's an amazing personality and he guy he wins and even if As, he, even if he gets beat he's still a star the the UFC's two biggest stars are both suspended due to doping um, scandals. Is that and Dia- Diaz and, and Jones? No, I was going to say Lesnar and Jones. Oh, Lesnar! I forgot Lesnar. And I was yeah, I was going to even say the fact like Lesnar's not even technically an under contract UFC fighter, but anytime Lesnar's on a card, you're going to do big pay per view sales. But Lesnar's suspended. Jones is going to be suspended. Um, they just brought they literally just brought back George St Pierre from the dead, and look, he's 38. He hasn't fought in the UFC in four or five years. I I don't know. It's just the UFC's hurting. And I think uh, while this fight was good for mixed martial arts because it proved that a mixed martial artist can make the jump easier than a boxer can make the jump to mixed martial arts, I don't think this fight is any good for the UFC because I just they're just doing a poor job of marketing themselves. They I don't think, have marketable stars, see, and I, now I think this is a great thing for the UFC because I see. I don't. I I think it it might be a thing where McGregor's too expensive for them. Ooh, that might be true. That because if you if you're if you're McGregor, why are you going to go back and make what you were making? He wasn't making any. He was making. I think he topped out at something like twenty, thirty million dollars a fight. You are not going to get Conor McGregor back in the octagon for that little money. I know. I'm saying that little money for twenty, thirty million dollars. But again, this is a guy that just took home nine figures for basically a boxing exhibition that he looked extremely good in. He did look really good. And I don't know if it was Floyd making him look good or not, but he did look good. Because Floyd, like I said, 
bet on himself, and he kind of backed up a little bit, a little corrupt. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I would if I'm the UFC, I'm worried. If I can't get McGregor back in the ring, and then the worst thing that could happen is if you have, here's the other thing, McGregor. The worst thing that could happen to McGregor is he comes back to the UFC and loses. Yeah, and that's a that's well, a possibility, thing, by the way. Just look at look at Ronda Rousey. Over. Yeah, Over. McGregor. I think McGregor. I think McGregor. Let's give McGregor some credit here. I think he's smarter than we're all giving him credit for. I think he looks at what happened to Ronda Rousey, who was, bar none, the biggest star the UFC has created post Lesnar. And after she got beat the first time, she took time off. Everyone was hyped for her comeback. And what happens? She got beat worse the second time. I, I, I honestly think McGregor looks at Rousey and is just like, I don't want to be that. I think McGregor would rather cash paychecks boxing when people, the expectations are so much lower. Rousey fell off. How hard is the fall off there? It's insane. Like she was so one she, of the biggest kept, stars and now nothing. She kept her. I think the shine was still there after she lost the Holly home. Cause that was just so surprising. But her last fight against Amanda Nunes, she got destroyed. It was non-competitive. In fact, it looked dangerous for her to be in the cage with someone that is just a world-class fighter. And in a way, this is the division that Ronda Rousey created. Um, like Amanda Nunez, she'll, she might not ever give full credit f- to Ronda Rousey for it, but in a way, Amanda Nunez exists because Ronda Rousey created this, the perfect um, environment for her to exist. But now, I mean, Rousey, I, I doubt Rousey ever fights again in the UFC. I don't know who she would fight. You can't put her against any of the top five women. I think she would get demolished. And I honestly... I, I don't know of a woman I would feel confident Ronda Rousey going up against that she could beat in her weight class. That's how good that weight class is now. And in a way, credit to Rousey for that weight class being so good because she made it worthwhile. But now it took her over. And I, I think McGregor looks at that and he, McGregor knows. Like if McGregor goes up against someone like Tyrone Woodley, why would he? Like why would unless the money was absolutely perfect, why would he? It has to be insane. He's not gonna right? he doesn't want to lose. If McGregor can lose six more times in the boxing ring and still make home paychecks, and all of us would just be continuously impressed that he's able to put up a fight against boxers that have been doing but don't, this. Forever. Don't we lose the luster of like, isn't it was wasn't Mayweather Connor like the big deal about that? Like, doesn't it lose the luster immediately and he doesn't get the you're same gonna paychecks? tell me you're gonna tell me if Conor McGregor decides to fight again, regardless of who his opponent is, you're not gonna want to tune in. No, I want to tune in. You're exactly. Right. You're McGregor, right. McGregor could fight the CM Punk of boxers in his next bout, and you'd pay money to see it because you're curious. I miss CM Punk. I mean, I would I would pay to watch him fight CM Punk. You'd win, obviously. Um, <laughs> well, CM Punk needs to go back to WWE. He needs to suck it up, right? Well, I don't know if he needs to suck it up. I think if his goal is to make money in fighting, like I know WWE has a script to it, but he's going to make more money in the WWE than he will in the UFC. Oh man, the pop the pop would be huge, my friend. It'd, it'd be insane. It would be it'd nuts. be insane. Cuz they he's so well documented on hating everything about the WWE and Vince. But the fans still love him and at the end of the day that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Hey, uh well, before we get out of here, you want to talk give me your 2 minute reaction on Thrones last night cuz I did do a full 30 minute podcast on our feed about it. Um pretty good. I'm just I'm a little bummed, if I'm being honest, that um, Dead Dragon isn't spewing ice. It's it's ice fire, kind of. 
It's blue fire. It's blue fire. But I, I, I wished it was ice. Why? I just, what's the one thing that can, you know, put out flames? Fire. Like you don't, fight, you yeah, don't but, fight fire with fire. But what's like, the one thing that can melt a wall? Fire. <laughs> I know, but like there are other ways you can take down that wall. It's, I don't know. It's just I get, uh, the old adage, you don't fight fire with fire. So I wish it was ice. I thought uh, it would be great. Um, I will say this. So about Thrones, and there are two things that stood out to me. One, I immediately recalled the time Danny said the Targaryens often, um, you know, reproduced incest. within their own lineage. Yeah, incest. So it's just funny that unknowingly that's exactly what she's doing. Uh, also, nice butt, Jon Snow. Nicely yeah, done, buddy. Yo, great white mountain. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. What's his... Or should, should we just start calling him Aegon? Like, is that what he is now? No, he's he's Aegon. Nice Snow. A Aegon Starkarian. Nice, I like that. Um, yep. So, so nice butt to him. Nice and butt. then the uh, the second thing. So the the prophecy says that Cersei's brother will be her death. Yeah. And for the longest time, I just assumed it was Tyrion. Oh, but finally, I understand that it might be Jamie. It's Jamie, bro. It's definitely Jamie. It's one hundred percent hype. Hype. Jamie's the best character, but my uh, my uh, the person who I recorded with last night, my friend Angel, he said to me that one of the reasons he was disappointed with the episode in general was the whole point of the episode. All that moved forward was Jamie goes to North. Everything else stays the same. That's it. The wall comes down and Jamie goes North. Um, did everything stay the same though? Because first of all, Littlefinger. Yeah. 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 You're done. You're done. Um. But but Cersei's still holding back. Danny still only has two dragons. John and Danny were still in love. Like nothing. But, but at the same time, I don't think Danny was going north without Cersei's word, and she did get Cersei's word. Like if if Cersei just said flat out no, I don't think Danny goes back with John. Mm, no, I think Danny goes back because John was like, "We should sail together." Just letting wink, wink, letting you know we should she can, sail she, she together. Can go to, she can go to the boom boom room without moving her army. It was it weird that Tyrion stood outside for you. Yeah, I don't understand that. Okay. It, it would have been less weird if it was Jorah just being like, "Bro." That's my girl. That's my yeah. We talked about that too, Jora. All right, man. I thought it was pretty good. Here's the real problem. You want to hear the scariest thing about last night's episode? Yeah. It might be two, 2019 till we see the next Thrones episode. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, me either. Yikes. Whew, it's gonna be a long time coming. All right. Uh, any final any final closing thoughts? This is the first. I legitimately haven't brought the Mets up once. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You NSS is done for the year. Uh, David Wright done for his career, I think. You think Sad. so? It's over? He played two rehab games and his shoulder still hurts. Like, this is... It, it, he's broken. Why don't it we breaks my heart. It why don't we does. save the eulogy for next week? Mm, let, I'm going to save the eulogy until... Like, I know it's over, but I need someone to officially tell me it's over before I eulogize. Okay, that's fair. I honestly, like, I, all I'll say this, I just want him to be healthy enough to play with this kid. Like, that's how much this player has meant to me in my entire life as a Met fan. I honestly am at a point with David Wright where whatever he does, I want to make sure that when he's done with baseball, he's still able to pick up his kid and play with her. And that's that's a, a, a tremendous, uh, it shows how much you care about him. I'll say that. I don't think I'm the, I, I think that that is the overwhelming opinion of Met fans too. I think Met fans see the writing on the wall, and we just we just hope David does too, so he doesn't impact his life after baseball. Hundred percent agree. 
All right, thanks everyone for joining us today. Thanks to our Patreon subscribers for being with us through the dog days of summer. Thanks to everyone else for sticking around. Uh, last week's episode was super long. Hopefully this week's not as too long for you. Uh, but we've somehow been banging out the content, Greg. Keep going. We're Fo- creators. That's what we do. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. Greg does a great job there. I sometimes jump on and reply to things, even though I don't tell Greg when I do that. And uh, <laughs> it's really funny when I'm on there and all of a sudden, like, I didn't post that. Yeah, it's, Who did that? it's me. Uh, so uh, that's that. And uh, if you want to yell at me, hit me up on Twitter at O'Ryan B. Greg at caps underscore locked. That's You're it. not going to believe this. The cat escaped for the third straight week. Is this right now? Yeah. You got to be kidding me. I'm not, I, again, I, I, you cannot make this stuff up. Cat, Three straight weeks. Cat this watch, fucking cat. Cat watch 2017 continues. All right, Greg, we're out of here. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.